stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Our number here, 974-8255. As I alluded to earlier, there, there's been a push in Alberta to, to have the government, and this has come from groups like Progress Alberta, uh, and there's a coalition of other uh, labor and left-wing groups who believe that there, there should not be a dime of public money going to private and independent schools. Uh, now, typically, the way it's worked in Alberta is that there's, there's funding that follows the student, more or less. Uh, but what goes to private schools on a per-student basis is much less than what goes to public schools. So there, there are some efficiencies then in that approach. If all of those students were to go back to the public system, there would be a, a much greater cost. So this is question of, well, would they? Because there, there's a presumption here that the people who send their kids to private slash independent schools are very wealthy. Money's not an object. If some of that subsidy disappeared, it wouldn't matter. They've got money coming out the wazoo and they can, uh, they can easily afford it. So I, I think, you know, this question really does shape our debate. Are these schools being used by the wealthy? How do we compare the families who send their children to independent schools and the families who send their children to public schools? Well, that's the question explored in an interesting new study released today by the Fraser Institute. Joining us on the line is uh, Angela McLeod, a senior policy analyst with the Fraser Institute, co-author of this new report, which you can find at FraserInstitute.org. Angela, good afternoon. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, Well, thanks for joining us. So your thoughts, first of all, on why it's important to understand this question and then how you go about answering it. I think it's uh, it is a really important question. I think that you alluded to um, in your introduction. I think this um, debate or this assumption that it's only really wealthy families that are sending their children to independent schools, um, you know, really stifles our conversation about independent schools, about the funding of independent schools, and it's just this um, this myth that we that we really wanted to take a look at and say, you know, are is it the wealthy families that are choosing the independent schools? Um, and it is really interesting. So the the, the main takeaway from the study is actually when we look at a non-elite independent school and a public school, those families are actually almost the same level of income. And in fact, it's the independent school that's a little bit lower. Okay, so explain that difference, because when you look overall at all independent schools, there is a bit of difference that these families do earn slightly more than families who have their kids in public school. Yeah, so we we know there there are elite pub, or elite independent schools in the in the province. I think everyone in, in every corner of the province could think of you know a local independent school that they would say you know that's an elite elite school. Tuition is very high. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that those families that are choosing those schools. Those are those are wealthy families. We know for sure that those are. Um, so in our analysis, we found 17 out of the 96 independent schools that we looked at um, would fit into that category of an, of an elite school. So we, we know those families are wealthy. So we really were interested about what about all those other families? Um, you know, those nearly 80 percent of those of the schools out there are those schools also being um, populated by wealthy families? And that was the question we asked, and that was when we found out that that no actually, um, it is a little bit lower than a public school family on average. So that's interesting. So yeah, about uh, $95,000 on average uh, after-tax income compared to $97,000 average income for for parents with children in public schools. Exactly. Um, So what do we make of that then? Um, Well, I think it's just sort of, it's it's another layer to the conversation. Um, I think sometimes we, we 
uh, one of the criticisms we get on a lot of our studies is that we haven't talked about enough of the different factors, and it's really hard to do that all at once. So we're trying to kind of chip away at, at different myths and different ide ideas, um, looking at funding. So it's, um, you know, we hear a lot, for, you know, you mentioned certain um, Special interest groups in Alberta have been very public in the last six months or so, um, calling for defunding these um, independent schools. And one of their arguments seems to be that if we take away all funding, all of the families will stay there. And right. you know, just anecdotally, and if we think that through, um, that can't possibly be true. You know, so for for the the really high wealthy, high um, income individual. You know, they will probably keep their kids, but it's really the lower and the middle class um, families that, you know, this funding from the government is kind of allowing them to, to make this choice, make this option that if they had to pay completely out of pocket, um, they may no longer be able to do so. And what's interesting, too, then, you look at the landscape in Alberta, where, where there are a lot of independent and private schools. And as mm -hmm. you say, there are some that are what we might call more elite institutions. But uh, overall, I mean... Does that represent a, a tiny fraction of the total amount of these these schools that exist? Yeah. So, so what we what we are classifying as elite we, is 17 out of the 96. Um, so less than 20 percent overall. Um, the rest tend to be either um, have a religious background, um, some kind of special focus on like arts or sports or things like that, um, or just have a different approach to teaching. So the Montessori schools, Waldorf schools, um, you know, direct instruction is becoming an, a, a a more popular choice. So it's just a, a, a different. Um, instead of really being, instead of those families who are like, you know, we have a lot of money and we're going to send our kids to these elite schools, um, you know, we know that they're going to do well no matter what. And we're, we're concerned about these other kids that, for whatever reason, their family is deciding that that's a better choice for their, their child. Um, and it's a lot of different reasons. And how do we support them as a, you know, as a society? Right. But, you know, in understanding then that for many, it, it does represent a financial sacrifice that they feel they, they mm -hmm. need to make. Absolutely. Right. So it's, yeah. this is about at least ending that myth. I mean, we can still have a debate in this province about what's the right policy, what's the right approach towards mm -hmm. schools, et cetera. But at least we should be starting from what you're suggesting is a much more informed starting exactly. point. Exactly. More information is always better than less information. Yeah, that's very much true. Well, people can read this for themselves again at FraserInstitute.org. Angela, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Take care. Angela McLeod, Senior Policy Analyst at the Fraser Institute, co-author of this report here today. So, yeah, they find when you factor in all private schools, including the more elite institutions, uh, the average family income is $130,000 compared to 97000 for families with children in public schools. So 33% difference. It's interesting, though, once you remove those 17 schools from the equation, again, less than 20%, the average after-tax income for the remaining families with children enrolled in independent schools drops to 95 thousand dollars 1.8 percent less than the average income for families with children attending public schools families with children at elite independent schools earned an average after-tax income of one hundred ninety-two thousand dollars. so when you look at those schools in isolation decreasing the coverage ratio to 50 percent or increasing it to 80 percent does not significantly alter the results families with children enrolled in non-elite independent schools have levels of average after-tax income comparable to those of families with children attending public schools. So some interesting findings there. Uh, we'll take a break here, 403-974-8255. We'll come back. We can open things up, uh, get back to your phone calls, your texts. you want to react to this, talk about some of the other issues we've addressed here today, we can certainly do so. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.